I don't know if you're very familiar with this passage. I absolutely love the fruits of the Spirit. I actually want to show you last year, as part of work, we were doing vision statements of, you know, what we saw ourselves, what we wanted our impact to be. And this is mine. I took it from the office here in the building. And right at the start there, it says, fruit of the Spirit, kindness, patience, goodness, self-control, forbearance. And there are some nice grapes. Um, and this word, fruit of the Spirit, it's not like, you know, having a banana, which is compassion, and an apple, which is patience. It's one word. It's the singular noun, fruit. So this is the good work, the whole product of the Spirit of God in us. And I became Spear Clapping Junction Centre Manager in January of this year. Didn't really see it coming, um, but very grateful for it anyway. And I've learned a lot along the way, but it's also been stressful. And at Clapham Junction, we have been known as a spear team as the most stable because we've always had three coaches. We've always been really well equipped. We're very good at processes. We get on with our jobs and things have been relatively, yeah, relatively easy going. But because I was promoted, it meant that we needed a brand new lead coach and we've moved our program online. So that is a whole new world to learn in itself. Um, but if anyone has ever been in a situation where you have been short-staffed or you're having to just do a lot of extra work on top of what you're already doing, then you'll know that it's, it is hard work. It's stressful. It's tiring. Um, it requires a lot of energy. And Yatunde and I, Yetu, is one of the other coaches on the team, we were really prepared for all that this was going to take from us. And thinking of the fruit of the Spirit, I want to share this with you because often people say to us as a spear team, where do you get your energy from? How are you so joyful? Where do you get all the patience that you have with each other and the young people? And I have to reply, well, it's not us. It's the Holy Spirit. Because in all honesty, it's not me. Have you ever had a day at work or just in life where you think, how am I even standing up right now? How did I even get dressed? How am I even, you know, on my commute, sat at my desk, how am I talking to this person in here? And I don't really think that we often have to really muster up the energy. We always start our day with prayer. And we always know that the work that we do is because of God. We heavily rely and partner with him um, and ask him to come and fill us and guide us so that we can do the day to day. Um, and in that time where we were short staffed, I was really stressed. I was learning a brand new role. I probably had a lack of self-confidence as well. And my poor mum is the person who got the absolute brunt of it. Every day when I shut the laptop lid at home because we were working from home and I went into the kitchen and she said, how's your day going? Poor, poor woman. She was really trying to be helpful and, you know, listen and offer advice as a manager herself. But I was having none of it. Every suggestion that she made, I felt my fists get tighter. Every time that she said, oh, but how about, you know, you do this? Well, that sounds like a great idea. I felt my heart harden. I stopped listening because my pride just shot through the roof. I was so just frustrated and tired with my circumstance that I was just filled with anger. And as I said, it was awful because I was speaking to somebody I love in such a horrible way. And my mom never retaliates. So afterwards, have you ever had verbal hangover? A friend said this to me once. She, she, she speaks too much, and at the end of it, she says, why did I say that? And she really regrets it. This wasn't even verbal hangover. I felt God say to me, Daisy, 
you have grieved the Holy Spirit. This is not it. This is not how you were called to live. And then Martin Emily asked me to share with you on this talk, and I thought, how on earth am I meant to share about the fruit of the Spirit when I don't even have this fruit myself? So today I want to share with you something that's really helped me to have the fruit of the Spirit, especially in those moments and circumstances where it feels really hard. But before we do that, I thought it'd be great to actually look at what the fruit is. The words like love and goodness and kindness, they seem really cliche, but they're not. They're such powerful words. When you contrast the fruit of the Spirit with the acts of the flesh, they are so appealing. They're life-changing. Now that we have our third team member, Meg, who some of you maybe have met, things are great. But I'm just constantly reminded that I have to choose to walk with the Holy Spirit. He's always there, but I have to choose and I have to allow him. And looking at each of these characteristics, first starting with love, and then they're, they're actually listed from the start of verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. This is agape. This is an unconditional love that knows absolutely no limits and no boundaries. This is love that God has for us, seen in him sending his son for us to die on the cross so that we can have a relationship with him. This is a love that we have for God. And I remember in GCSE RE, the teacher saying, agape, love your enemies, love your enemies. This is an, a love that just loves its enemies. It doesn't look at the person and their past and make a judgment based on that. All it does is it looks at the person and it loves them. And actually in my mum, it was her love for me in that moment, even though I was being pretty awful, that shocked me out of my state and thought, made me think, hang on a second, why am I behaving like this? Look, look at how she's treating me. I'm not even treating her like that at all. And it made me recognize my behavior. The next we have is Kara. So this is joy. And the difference between happiness and joy, I don't know if you've heard this before, but happiness is a feeling which is quite fleeting, often based on external circumstances. Joy is an inner state, a consistent inner state of steady joyfulness. And one time a trainee, when Yetinde was working at another center, said to her, there's something wrong with you, spear coaches. You are always so happy. What, what is wrong with you? And isn't it interesting that the trainees, they have no idea about our faith. We don't speak to them about it at all. But they were just able to pick up on the fact that that team were just so happy, so full of joy, so full of energy. And I really think that is a fruit evident in them. It's so cool that they were just able to notice it, even if it was through a screen or in person. And don't under underestimate the power of someone being able to notice the joy of the spirit in you, even if it's just in a quick passing moment. Next, we have a reine, which is peace. And this is harmony and good order. So think of that inner peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. Jesus says, I give you my peace. But this is also peace in circumstances and in situations. So harmony, think of when people make a harmony. It's so many different voices. They're all different, but they come together to produce this really rich, gorgeous sound. Think of peace in a situation where there is differences, where there's variations, but there's still a unity, there's still a whole, there's still a coming together and good order. On the last program when we um, were short-staffed, there was a trainee who their attendance had been really bad. And on the SPEAR program, we're high support, we're high challenge. We want them to know what they're doing really well and give them all the chances that they need to succeed. 
but also to set them up well for the workplace. So there's a warning system. We have conversations with them about attendance and punctuality just to set them up really well for when they're working. And I had to talk to this trainee about their attendance because it hadn't been good. And they were really, really frustrated on the phone. They were trying their best to be there on time, but things kept, up, kept coming up that were just stopping them. And then as I said to them, well, look, you know, actually th this means that you might not be able to do the program. You've, you've missed too much. They were even more frustrated that here was another thing that they were trying to do, a way that they were trying to take a step forward, and it just felt like they were getting nowhere. Now, we don't argue with trainees, um, but it's really difficult when you've got somebody who is really frustrated, and sometimes you're the person that they take their frustrations out on because you're there, not to engage in that. And in that conversation, I, I, I would, at the time would say I was too exhausted to, you know, kind of to say, put my foot down and say, well, this is it. You can't come back. What's done is done. But I felt this inner steadiness. I felt this inner peace. And I thought, this isn't the time to argue. This isn't the time to kind of not kick, kick them when they're down. But actually, Daisy, I think that this young person deserves a second chance. I said, okay, come back in this afternoon. Be there on time. Be ready. Be professional. And they did. And then a week later, they asked one of us to pray with them in a one-to-one. -one. And that's where we meet with them and we review their progress and they get to speak to us um, on a more personal level. So isn't that amazing that actually in that, who would have known that in that phone call, actually what it maybe would have led to a week later was them asking us for prayer. Next, we have patience and endurance. And this isn't just the ability to wait out situations and let them pass by but actually the ability to remain calm and to even be restful during affliction or delay. We had anti-racism training a couple of weeks ago. Some of you might be having those within your organizations and we can't escape conversations about racism um, in the world today. But actually, I find these conversations really draining. Feels like we're having a lot of conversations over and over again, and maybe things aren't changing, or you're having to retell stories that are really painful, or hear about other people's experiences that are really hurtful as well. And as we were coming up to this training, I could feel my heart hardening and thinking to myself, oh, what a waste of my time. You know, I'm here, I don't need to know about this. What's really going to happen? And the facilitator who is leading it, got us, before it started, to breathe in and breathe out 2 Timothy 1.7. So we breathed in, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. And then we breathed out, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And we kept breathing it in and breathing it out all over again. Sometimes fear can get in the way. Sometimes it's just that lack of patience, just being fed up with a scenario or situation but breathing in that spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind is what gives us the physical and also the mental strength to keep going. And when we did that, I, I left that exercise feeling so empowered and ready for the session that we were about to go in with more of an open heart and more understanding. We come to kindness and goodness. And when I was looking up the translations for these, it can also be translated as generosity. I thought that was quite interesting. And think of this as moral character. Now, as a child who is, as a child who is an only child, I often got really jealous of my cousins having my parents' attention. 
Um, my worst fear was my mum or dad telling me that I was going to have a brother or sister when I was little. Absolutely no way did I want somebody coming along and ruining our dynamic. You know, things, things are fine the way they were. Um, and my little cousins, when they were younger, my mum during the holidays would often t take them out to the cinema or have days out with them. And I could feel myself getting really jealous and saying, well, you never did that with me. I had to go to after school club or stay by nans. And it sounds ridiculous, but because of my jealousy, I completely overlooked the fact that my cousin, who was a child, had no other siblings, often would stay in their room most of the summer holidays and not even go outside, needed to go to the cinema and needed my mum's just love and friendship more than I did. I'd had it. She needed it so much more. So it's a good challenge for me to remember how can I be generous with my time, with my words, if, if it was with my toys, if it was with my parents, if it was actually just by, by my thoughts and just thinking kindly about the other person, having compassion and remembering who they are rather than thinking about myself. This kindness and generosity is what God displays to us in Jesus as well. He's the one who shows us mercy and grace even when we don't deserve it. And I have to remember not to forget that. Then we come on to faithfulness, pistis or assurance. And this is what is so effective in protecting our minds and our hearts. There's the shield of faith in Ephesians. And it's, so, it's such a good image to think of faith as something that arms us, that guards us, that keeps us safe from any attacks and things that might come our way. Back in March last year, just as we went into the first week of lockdown, um, my parents and I, we all had COVID. And this is when it was really new and all we knew was the death rate and how scary and dangerous it was. And I remember at night not sleeping because I was going into their rooms in the dark and I was peering and trying to see if they were still breathing. I would listen for, the, for their breathing and I would look to see their chests rising and falling in the pitch black. And I was so exhausted one night, I thought to myself, God, I can't do this anymore. If you're really there, if, if you have them, if you love us and you see us and you're telling me to trust in you, then I do and I need you, I need you to reassure me, to tell me that, that you've got us. And my devotional reading that night was Psalm, verse, Psalm 4 verse 8, which is, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. I mean, if I wanted a sign, that's it. He was telling me, go to sleep, Daisy, I've got this. You don't need to check on them in the night because I can see them and I love them and I'm in control. And I had to choose to actually say, right, well, I'm going to go to sleep then. I'm going to put my faith in you and actually trust your faithfulness, trust your goodness, all your promises, and not my own power, which is limited in itself. Then we come into prauntes. I had a Greek teacher in my first year at uni, and she would say prauntes. So gentleness and humility. This is how we think of ourselves and others. Sometimes we can be our own worst critics. Would you ever think of a friend and say things to a friend that sometimes you say to yourself? Probably not. Have you ever been told that you say sorry too often? I am told that all the time. Sorry, sorry, and it's so unnecessary. But also on the flip of that, we, we can't think that we're God. 
sometimes I'm so filled with pride and um, I do this thing where I think I know somebody and I know their name and I know, I know all about them and I feel myself filling up with pride and then I get it completely wrong. And <laughs> I'm reminded that, Daisy, you don't know it all. You need to be humble. And humility isn't thinking less of yourself, but it is thinking of yourself less. So we're not worthless worms, but we're not God. What we are are his children. We are image bearers of Christ. He has chosen us, he has called us, and he loves us. And that is our identity. So as children of God, we need to live with a Godfidence, an assurance in him. And actually that when we look at God, that's our identity. That's who he's made us. That's who he has called us to be. And then finally, we come to self-control. It's pretty explanatory, self-control. Now, around 10 years ago, I think it's 10 years ago, I gave up fizzy drinks. Um, to put this into perspective, into how big of a thing that was for me, when I was little, and this is back in Trinidad, if I was thirsty in the night, I'd just go and get some Pepsi from the fridge. I wouldn't even have water. My mum used to give it to me as a treat in my baby bottle. That's how bad we're talking. And Pepsi is better than Coca-Cola. If you want to chat about that, we can do it after. Um, but me giving up fizzy drinks from having it so often and literally drinking it like water, I just did it. I decided that I wasn't going to do it anymore. Until this day, I haven't had a fizzy drink, and I don't even like them anymore. I don't think that's me. That's got to be the Holy Spirit. And when we look at all of these, these things that make up the fruit, all of these characteristics, all of these ways that we're called to be, it can be quite overwhelming if we are just left to do them by ourselves because we're so limited. But the amazing thing is that we are not left alone. This whole series, we've explored that the Holy Spirit is the advocate, the comforter, the gift from God, God's spirit himself. And he is with us. We are never alone. So as we move on, let's think about how can we have this fruit how can we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and to have them every day, every minute, every hour? So verse 16 says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then later on, um, as we look down, we've got, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. There's this analogy of walk. Some translations have walk with the Spirit. And that's what I want to share with you today. Taking it step by step every day with the Spirit in order to have this fruit. So the first letter is W for wait. Verse 26 says, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. That's what we're trying to avoid. But we know when it's happening. Whether you start to frown, you feel your heart start to harden, your fists might start to ball up, you might start to tense up and stop listening and engaging with the other person. Impulse can be really dangerous, whether it's a context or the person in front of us. If we act on impulse, sometimes that, that leads us to just giving in to the acts of the flesh. So the word for spirit, pneuma, also means breath or wind. And this is a reminder to take a breath, to take a breather and pause for a second and not to give in to that impulse, but to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is there and to just have that moment to stop yourself and to allow him to take over. The next letter is A for allow. And verse 18 says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Verse 17 says, the Spirit and the flesh are in constant conflict. Is anyone indecisive? 
I'm really indecisive, struggle to make a decision, whether it's over ice cream, a travel route, really big decisions and anything. My head and my heart are always in conflict. This is that conflict on, on a bigger scale. They're in opposition to each other. The author and theologian Stott says, the flesh is what we are by birth. This is our inheritance from Adam. But the spirit is what we receive when we are born again in Christ. Nicodemus says to Jesus, how can a man be born again? And Jesus replies, the flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. So if we've received Christ, we receive this new this new spirit, this new nature, and that is what takes over. That is what leads us. And it's there. It's never, it never goes away, never leaves us. And this is, what, this is where we just need to allow him to take over and permit him to move and be prepared to follow where he leads. L comes next as we spell the word walk. So we've got verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is the reality of being born in the spirit. And it's so easy to get swept up in life, to forget the reality in the presence of Jesus, like those past few months for me when I was under so much stress. And learning from those moments where the spirit steps in and you really allow him to take over that is what reminds you of the power and the ability and just the purpose of the fruit and the spirit himself. I'd encourage you to learn the fruit if you don't know them as yet. Meditate on them to really pray um, on the fruit in general. And also be reminded, like with that trainee, like when people see you, they will learn from you of what God's character is like. They'll learn of his power because it's not just you who's the one who's being self-controlled. It's not just you who's being patient and, and good and kind. They will catch on and get a glimpse of the character and the nature of God. And from that, learn ultimately who he is and what he is like. And then finally, K is to keep. Verse 25 says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is to keep going and to keep walking with him, to keep choosing him every day. Have you heard the saying that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak? So the modern day translation for that is I would if I could, but I can't. That saying is actually based on Matthew 26, verse 41. And knowing what we know of the spirit now, perhaps a better modern day translation is I can't alone, but with the Holy Spirit, I can. With the Holy Spirit, I can. It's such a gentle but firm reminder that we're never alone. We don't have to rely on our own strength. That God's Spirit is with us and it bears this fruit in our lives. So know moving forwards as you leave the building today, as you have conversations, as you step into different spaces, whether it's an online meeting or a physical building, even if it's a bus or a tube during rush hour, whenever we get there again, that the Holy Spirit is with you. 